0: Well, hello everyone. Welcome to this edition of a Sunday School Extra. We appreciate you joining me here for another reading that we're going to be doing as far as a Bible study in the uh, book 2 John. And it's going to cover verses 1 through 13. And as it turns out in 2 John, it is just this one letter, one epistle, uh, and there's only one chapter. So we'll be covering all of 2 John today. So we appreciate you joining us today for this Sunday School Extra. God bless you. And uh, let's go ahead and get started with a word of prayer. Lord, we are indeed indebted to you for all that you have done for us. You indeed have kept the promise that you will never leave us nor forsake us. And Lord, as we get into your word and we delve into this epistle, Lord, speak to us about how what we're going to be reading and what we're going to be studying has application now for us today. It has application for our church. It has application for our comings and goings. It has application for how we embrace the love that you have for us as we love others. And it has application for truth, which is what we want to focus on here today. We thank you, Lord, for your presence and the teaching bless us and keep us and we give you praise and thanks in jesus's precious name amen all right everybody turn your bibles and electronic devices to second john that is the book after first john second john and we're going to read verses one through 13 there is only one chapter in second john um and it's a beautiful letter by the way uh one of the things that we do love about scripture uh we have of course the new testament is made up of a number of uh, letters or epistles that are being written uh, to different people. It could be anyone uh, specifically, but more than likely it's uh, someone that uh, John, in this case, has had communication with, and he is giving a general letter to everyone for us to uh, take in. The focus here is going to be about a warning about false teachers, and this has application for us as well, too, because we need to make sure that we have the proper discernment when we are sitting under anyone, I don't care who it is, when it comes to the teaching that we receive, because they have the responsibility, those teachers have the responsibility of making sure that we have the correct information uh, as given to us through scripture, the correct interpretations. Uh, No one's 100% perfect in that, but we always want to allow the Spirit to be the one who is leading and speaking at the end of the day, and it has to stand up over time. It has to stand up and measure against what against what God's word truly is. So let's take a look at this. Let's read verses 1 through 13 in 2 John. And this is about uh, essentially a foundational aspect of following Jesus, some things that we really need to know and understand. Love and truth are going to be the foundations of that. Verse 1, this letter is from John the Elder. I am writing to the chosen lady and her children, whom I love in the truth, as does everyone else who knows the truth, because the truth lives in us and will be in us, will be with us, excuse me, forever. Verse 3, grace, mercy, and peace, which come from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, will continue to be with us who live in truth and love. How happy I was to meet some of your children and find them living according to the truth, just as the Father commanded. I am writing to remind you, dear friends, that we should love one another. This is not a new commandment, but one that we, we have had from the beginning. Love means doing what God has commanded. Love means doing what God has commanded us, and He has commanded us to love one another, just as you heard from the beginning. I say this because many des- deceivers have gone out into the world. They deny that Jesus Christ came in a real body. Such a person is a deceiver. And an antichrist. Watch out that you do not lose what we have worked so hard to achieve. Be diligent so that you receive your full reward. Anyone who wanders away from this teaching has no relationship with God, but anyone who remains in the teaching of Christ has a relationship with both the Father and the Son. Verse 10 If anyone comes to your meeting and does not teach the truth about Christ, don't invite that person into your home, or give any kind of encouragement. Anyone who encourages such people becomes a partner in their evil work. I have much more to say to you, but I don't want to do it with paper and ink, for I hope to visit you soon and talk with you face to face. Then our joy will be complete. Greetings from the children of your sister, chosen by God. Okay, that is 2 John. Uh, I'll say chapter 1 for the sake of discussion, but there's only 13 verses, verses 1 through 13. And this letter was written. He had visited a woman and, I guess, the children. Uh, They had become partners in the faith, and what he was doing was encouraging them with words that would help them to make sure that they would steer clear of anyone who was providing false teaching. Because what, what these teachers would do, they would go from place to place uh, town to town and maybe even be invited into homes and just talk about the Lord and, and have conversations about him and his goodness. And at the end of the day, remember, <coughs> pardon me, there's no just nothing like a TV or radio or video games or anything like that, that <laughs> we're, we're going to uh, distract people from that standpoint. But the distraction would come, frankly, from those who would knock on the doors and and provide some sort of a clever way of teaching to, to, or provide some sort of insight as to who Jesus was or something different as a way of, frankly, trying to get others to join in, perhaps get money from them, perhaps get uh, some sort of support uh, to continue the, to teach the falsehoods that were being spoken about. So that's why John is giving this warning, because there's plenty of false teachers out there and we can relate to that today because we know that there is false teaching that takes place in our churches. You have to discern what you're hearing is true. You have to be the Berean that's going and looking at what's being said and, and testing it out against what Scripture says. I, I think it's really, really important that we emphasize the importance of every person who is listening to what is being said. And that includes me, too. Uh, you need to make sure that what I'm saying or what is being said stands up to what God's Word is saying as well, too. Uh, I'm not going to be clever. I'm not going to give you anything that's outside of what God's Word is saying. I'm not going to read uh, into anything and imply that it means something else. And at the end of the day, that's what false teachers will do. They'll take the words and twist them around and try to gain a following by doing that. I mean, there's a lot of There are a lot of people who have done that over the years when it comes to the teaching of Scripture. In fact, um, a message that I'm going to be presenting uh, is going to talk about how we've had Scripture uh, used to uh, more implied prosperity, the prosperity gospel, something that's definitely a false gospel. Uh, But yet, there are a lot of people who fall for that. And a lot of that is because people are greedy and they want to believe that um (coughs) pardon me there's a train of uh uh, money coming their way if they follow this certain person who's teaching it and and we have to understand that there's nothing in scripture that supports any of that it doesn't work that way um but let me let me go back over the passage here that we've just read second john one verse one and and explain exactly what's going on with this too and recognize too that um this is a time of life when John is a little bit older. Um, it was mentioned that he may have been around 90 years old at the time when he wrote this letter. He called himself, this is a letter, this letter is from John the Elder. I am writing to the chosen lady and to her children, whom I love in the truth, as does everyone else knows the truth, because the truth lives in us and will be with us forever. He called himself an elder here. The elder has a couple meanings to it. Uh, In the Greek, it's presbyteros, or presbyter. That makes perfect sense, right? It has uh, the meaning where he can be referring to himself as a senior citizen, um, referring to age, or it can be a title referring to the office in a church, which is something we've heard and seen before as well, too. Uh, It could be a minister, a teacher. Uh, He is calling himself an elder because he's really no longer an apostle, At this point, he is now in a different stage of his life. He's in a different place in his life. He's lived a good, long life. He has had that personal encounter with Jesus Christ, and he always talks about love when he refers to uh, Jesus Christ because that's the foundation of everything that we're doing and everything we're involved in. Um, Jesus was the one who he was always referred to, of course, if you read Scripture, as the disciple whom Jesus loved and um, he did indeed love John. They had a very special, close relationship, and John is relaying this information to uh, now everyone he writes to. Uh, he wrote the same thing in the Book of John and First John, Second John. He'll do the same in Third John, basically warning people to stay on the truth, stand on the truth, don't follow, for, don't fall for that false teaching that is out there and is very prevalent. It's something that's very common. And he's saying it for sure. The truth lives in us and will be with us forever. What truth are we talking about? The truth about Jesus Christ. We're talking about Jesus and his truth. This letter was being written to encourage this because um, he may have written it from the Ephesus um, because he spent some time there as well, too. But he was warning believers about inadvertently supporting false teachers because we have to say inadvertently supporting them. You have to understand the livelihood back in the day was, uh, frankly, going about and accepting donations. Uh, I read something uh, the other day where the uh, Sojourner Truth, who used to go and preach throughout the land, she was an evangelist, and she would have to raise support as well, too. She had, had a book dictated because she couldn't read or write, and she had a book that was dictated by someone else, and she had copies of her own book that she would sell and hand out because that was her way of earning money. Um, Not much different than what we're talking about right here, where these gentlemen, these people who were going about uh, the different towns, the different areas, that they would raise support on their own. And so John was warning about making sure that this lady that that he was writing to, as well as others, were not supporting these false teachers, because they would have to do what? They would have to kind of buffalo whoever's listening to whatever their messages are, and give them the information that, Well, I understand what this, what so-and-so said here, but here's what I say. Here's what I think based upon what my understanding is. And it's kind of tough to now go back and check what's being said because these epistles, this New Testament had not been written yet. So this was a brand new, a new church, a new gospel that was being preached. It was kind of hard to compare it to what was already spoken of uh, in the Old Testament. The Old Testament was already out there and the documentation was there. But there is always someone out there who's trying to be clever. Uh, I think that's the best way to put it without being pejorative about it, I suppose. I'm not using anyone's name in particular, but there are people out there who are clever. Um, And so they will try to kind of hoodwink people, surprise them, give them something that would be, they would think would be um, an insight into what God was providing or as far as information is concerned. And... We want to ensure, first of all, that John's warning to the lady and to the the children was to not fall for this, not fall for this teaching. And there were a lot of people out there by the end of the first century who were evangelists, like I had mentioned, who they were teachers and they were growing, going through the countryside. There were a ton of them near the end of the first century. And they were promoting heretical ideas about Jesus, heretical ideas about the gospel. And just as they had done back then, guess what happens here today? We have today all different kinds of interpretations of Scripture about who Jesus really was. And uh, everything from the fact that he was deity, that what we understand and and know to be true, to the fact that he wasn't deity at all. He was just a man... uh, going through and proclaiming truth based upon whatever uh, the person wants to to make it out to be so we've got unorthodox beliefs we've got people who are being deceived on a regular basis and what's the remedy for that well we have the indwelling holy spirit that helps us to discern what's being taught and let's read verses three and four i want to cover those two before I get too far ahead here. Verses three and four, Second John, grace, mercy, and peace, which come from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, will continue to be with us who live in truth and love. Truth and love. Verse four, how happy I was to meet some of your children and find them living according to the truth, just as the Father commanded. John was very happy to see that there are people who were living in the truth, dwelling in the truth, staying in the truth, um, because God the Father in his word commands us to remain in truth. And remaining in truth means having a relationship with Jesus Christ, a healthy relationship where all you're doing is now looking at what his word says, being obedient to his word and remaining in truth. And this truth is indeed about Jesus Christ. The truth does what? It fights against the lies that we see in scripture uh, that are portrayed in Scripture. And that's what the false teachers were putting forth. I want to, I want you to go ahead and put your finger where you're at and turn back to 1 John. And I want you to look at chapter 2. And there are five chapters in 1 John. But look at 1 John chapter 2. And we're going to look at verses 21, and 20, 21 to 23. 21 to 23. 1 John 2. John always warns the readers about making sure that you're staying in truth and not falling for the lies of those who choose to deliberately proclaim the false gospel, false teaching. 1 John 2, verse 21. I have not written to you because you don't know the truth, because you do know it. And because no lie comes from the truth, verse 22, who is the liar if not the one who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This one is the Antichrist, the one who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. He who confesses the Son has the Father as well. In other words, the focus is Jesus Christ. He referred to his disciples, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you're looking at me, you're looking at the Father himself. If you acknowledge who I am, you're acknowledging the Father. That's what he's telling you. And in his letters, in his statements, he relays the truth about who Jesus Christ is in the Gospel of John. He has said that. And so we recognize that John is referring to the truth five times in the first four verses of this letter. Truth, truth, truth. And so truth has been made into something that's relative, depending upon who the person is. And let us let me be very clear about this. Truth has everything to do with whether or not you believe in yourself, believe in who you are. That's your own personal truth. But that doesn't necessarily mean that what you believe is true lines up with the truth of Jesus Christ, the truth of the gospel. That's what we need to understand here. Truth is relative, depending upon who the person is. A person who is, for example, transgender, is going to rely upon their own truth about what that represents for them. It doesn't mean that that truth is a valid truth, it mean, and it doesn't mean that that truth lines up with what the truth about Jesus Christ is. I use I used transgender, it could be anything. Uh, an atheist has his own truth. Based upon what he believes, that when he believes and says there is no God. But he, there is a God in that atheist life. That God is actually in the person himself. He believes in himself. He doesn't believe in anything else. That's that person's truth. But that doesn't mean it lines up with God's truth. That's the That's ultimately what we're referring to here. Depending upon what your truth is. Your truth is your truth. My truth is my truth. But John is telling us there's an absolute truth. An absolute truth. That... Every other truth has to line up against that absolute truth, and that's God. He's the ultimate standard by how all of us are going to be judged, and nobody wants to talk about that. God is going to be the ultimate judge for all of us, every single one of us, and that's whether we have a relationship with Jesus or not. He's the ultimate judge. The word that we read, the words we read in Scripture— We need to make sure that our behavior lines up with the truth that God's word is giving us. And that's what John is telling us. God's word is true. His words and ways are true. And whatever contradicts or opposes, that truth is what? False. It's deceptive. It's dangerous. And that's what we have to recognize here. And so what's the responsibility of someone like myself or other Christian leaders and teachers? Whatever we teach and preach about better line up with Scripture. It better line up with the Word of God. So that's what we have to recognize here. It has to line up. It has to make sense. It has to be something that is going to be what's necessary to counter, frankly, the deception in the world and... If we were not countering what the world teaches, then we're not doing our jobs. We're not fulfilling what God would have us to do. We need to make sure that we're taking a stand for truth and recognizing that sometimes that truth is going to hurt. It's going to be something that is going to be... People are going to say, well, you're not teaching the truth. And there's going to come a point where... People who teach the truth like I do are going to have to face consequences at some point because this world does not want to hear about God's truth. Um, I'm very thankful to be living in the age of grace because I recognize that when Jesus returns and puts both feet on the ground here and on the earth, the age of grace is over. Uh, We will recognize that we're living in a different time it's going to be about God's truth the truth about Jesus Christ and focusing on that and if you don't believe in that or don't want to follow that then you've got um, you've got a real problem um, you've got a real issue to deal with now let me let me be clear about this Jesus the very nature of Jesus Christ is grace and peace because that's what he teaches in his word he does indeed extend grace and he does extend peace but we have to understand that this time right now, there are people who are living whatever way they want to live, doing whatever they want to do, and God is giving them every opportunity to acknowledge the presence of the Holy Spirit and acknowledge that Jesus Christ is indeed the Lord and Savior, the Lord to be paid attention to. And so this is what we need to recognize. And I think that John is doing everything he can to make sure that people recognize. Well, let's look at verse 5 recognizing that we need to love one another and recognizing that God is what he's telling us to do. He's telling us to do this very thing. Verse 5, I am writing to you back in Second John, uh, verse 5. I am writing to remind you, dear friends, that we should love one another. This is not a new commandment, but one we have he- had from the beginning. What does love mean? Love means doing what God has commanded us, and he has commanded us to love one another just as you have heard from the beginning. The very foundational aspect of Jesus Christ is love. He is loving us. He's already loved us from the very beginning before we did anything. But what he's teaching us to do in his Word is to love one another. If you're loving one another, you're living as Christ would have you to live. That's what we have to recognize here. Living as Christ would have you to live. And it's something that's going to flow from you naturally when you have this loving relationship with Jesus Christ doesn't require any special effort it requires you allowing the spirit to live and work in your life and you will be able to love one another just as his word commands you to do it will be a natural inclination for a believer to do this it is a recurrent theme in the new testament again the new testament was was is was a new creation here at the time when john was writing this and penning this hadn't come into being yet but the theme of the entire new testament is based upon Jesus saying love one another. And we recognize that loving one another is an old command because it's something that was done uh long before this because it's written in Leviticus. I want you to go and turn now to Levit- Leviticus, if I can say it correctly, Leviticus <laughs> chapter 19. Leviticus 19 Verse 18. And in this particular chapter, Leviticus, um, there are laws about how one should be holy. And there are laws about how you go about living in a manner that's holy and pleasing to God. Verse 18. Do not take revenge or bear a grudge against members of your community, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Where have we seen love your neighbor as yourself before? The very foundation of the commandments in the the entire Bible, in all of Scripture, you'll find the foundational aspect of that in Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 through 40. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. We have neighbors around us here in in our community where we live. We want to get back out into the street and walk our neighborhood again when it warms up a little bit pardon me and you never know how just saying hello to a neighbor really goes a long way being friendly um i remember a time when i lived in another neighborhood and i didn't know any of my neighbors i didn't know anyone very well i shouldn't say i didn't know any of them i did know some of them only one that i knew where i could walk across the street and talk to a friend uh but other neighbors it, they I didn't know a whole lot of them and it was a different time where people just kind of kept to themselves they really didn't want people to get into their business or know anything much about them um and that was before I knew the Lord too I didn't really have that type of desire to go and find out who these people were but now I do and I do want to walk the neighborhood and and I've learned that as we walk the neighborhood and get to know people Um, it's kind of a um, way of living missionally within your own neighborhood, getting to know people, praying for them, um, talking to them, finding out what's on their hearts and minds. That's really what our lifestyle as believers should be. And I want you to understand that that's exactly how we are remaining obedient to the Father, obedient to the Word of God, obedient to what Jesus is teaching uh, about loving one another, Loving your neighbor as yourself. Um, and that's really what it happens, what, what we need to be doing. Loving God with all your heart, soul, and strength and loving your neighbor as you love yourself. That is the gospel. That is the truth um, that we need to be conveying. The truth and the good news about who Jesus is. This love that is being shared between us. And so we want to make sure that we are doing what we can to avoid the things that people talk about a lot today that frankly is really not uh, necessarily leading people to Jesus. You know, are people going to be prejudiced? Are people going to discriminate? Of course they are. We live in a fallen world, but that doesn't mean we have to wallow in that way of thinking. We need to just step up and say, okay, there's prejudice in this world. There's discrimination in this world. Let's go beyond that and say, you know what? I'm going to love you anyway. I'm going to love my enemies. I'm going to love those who persecute me. And when I say persecute, they may not like what I have to say. So what? Jesus teaches us to live in that manner. And that's how we have to overcome this teaching that really doesn't go anywhere at the end of the day. We're, we are we need to make sure that we are going beyond what the world teaches us. Yes, we live in a world where there is evil. We live in a world where people are out to deceive you. I mean, we get calls all the time from people who are trying to scam us. That's the nature of today's world. You just don't need to get into that. You need to shut that stuff off and focus more on Jesus in the in the long run and not get caught up in all that stuff because all it does is just ruin your mood. It ruins your way of thinking. And knowing what God is teaching us, um, the words that He teaches us, we need to make sure that we're putting it into practice. I, that is so important. Doing what God has commanded us to do. Now I have mentioned we have to do what's necessary here. We don't judge people. We listen. We help. We give. We serve. These are all things that we're doing with our kind words and our actions. And I had mentioned Matthew 22, verses 37 through 39. Let's go back to 1 John again one more time. 1 John chapter 2, verses 7 and 8. 1 John 2, 7 and 8. 1 John 2. Dear friends, I am not writing you a new command. Here we go. But an old command that you have had from the beginning. The old command is the word you have heard. Yet I am writing you a new command, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. The true light is already shining. What is that light? Jesus Christ. How are we to... Reflect the light of Christ. Do what he taught. Do what he teaches today. Love one another. Serve one another. Help one another. Give to one another. Give to those who are in need. And be slow to speak, but listen. Keep your ears open. All these things are really, really important today. There are people who want to try to tell you how you should think. You can listen. doesn't mean you have to do it. At the end of the day, you want to proclaim the truth about who Jesus Christ is to anyone who is willing to listen. So let's go back to Second John, uh, verse 7. I say this because many deceivers have gone out into the world. They deny that Jesus Christ came in a real body. Such a person is a deceiver and an antichrist. And John is teaching this because that was apparently what the teaching was at that time. We There are people today who acknowledge who Jesus Christ was In the standpoint that he did exist in the time in history He is a real historical figure He did exist But many, many were teaching uh, That the spirit was good and matter was evil So they reasoned that Jesus could not have been both God and man Where we understand as we read scripture And let the spirit speak to us and teach us that Jesus was 100% man, but he was 100% God as well, too. Jesus is deity. I mean, there's if Jesus was man alone and not deity, then that defeats the purpose of the cross altogether. So we have to recognize that Jesus had to be God and man. He had to go to the cross. He did so as a sacrifice for all of us. He was the perfect sacrifice. And so we recognize that if he was just man alone... That, that would be insufficient for the gospel truth. It would be insufficient for us when it comes to salvation because that means if Jesus was man alone, he could not be at the right hand of the Father. He could not intercede on our behalf because he would be man. And that implies that man alone, uh, he had to have a sinless nature, which means he had to have the ability to go to the cross for us. Otherwise, if he was a sinful man, That would have defeated that purpose as well, too. So we're talking about all kinds of false teaching that John was warning about. It distorts the truth. It undermines the foundations of Christian faith. What are the foundations of Christian faith? Well, John has already told us love and truth. Those are the foundations. So clever people will try to take the meaning of Scripture and change it around for their benefit, just to tickle the ears and get people's attention. And so this is what John is warning about in this passage. He is warning that there are false teachers out there. They're out there to try to get people to bite and not understand what the truth really is. Um, deceivers are also imposters, if you want to take the a translation of what that really means. But at the end of the day, what does an imposter do? What does a deceiver do? Leads people astray. Teaches them the falseness that they want them to hang on to. And that's, unfortunately, what takes place a lot today. And... We have to make sure that we're not allowing the world's teaching to inject, be injected within what Jesus is teaching too, because if we do that, we can wind up going back against the word of being missional for as far as living. We'll stay in our homes, we won't talk to anyone, we won't go and do what's necessary to win people over for Christ. We don't want to be the type of people who are paranoid or suspicious. We want to be the ones who frankly exude the character of Jesus Christ no matter where we go. And trust in what he's having to say. Um, And so that's really how we need to approach all of this. We don't want to believe what deceivers are saying. We want to use discernment. We want to allow the spirit to give us truth. The spirit is going to teach you what's truth. And if you hear something that's false, you'll be able to turn it off very quickly because you'll know that's not what Jesus teaches A lot of people are in churches today and they're not practicing that whatsoever. They're trusting in what the leadership is telling them and they're believing it without testing it against what the Holy Spirit is saying or what God is saying. So that makes you wonder, if you don't have the Holy Spirit helping you to understand what the truth is, do you know who Jesus is from a standpoint of a faith perspective? A lot of us have knowledge of Jesus, but we don't believe in the aspect of what his his faith does for us, faith in him does. We lack faith. We don't trust in who Jesus truly is. Well, if you don't trust in who Jesus is, you don't have a relationship with him. You don't really know Jesus the way Jesus wants you to know him. And so that's very important for us to see, too. There are a lot of people in church who are unbelievers. Let's leave it there. A lot of people in church today and may have been in church all their lives and they're unbelievers so may you not be that person may you be the person if you understand what god truly is doing through jesus christ what john is saying to us here in this passage if you understand the truth about who jesus christ is and you understand that that truth means that you have to make a commitment in having a relationship with him that you believe exactly what he's teaching you you believe that he is lord and savior of your life that's a commitment that's a decision so let's continue in verse 2 John verse 8 watch out that you not you do not lose what we have worked so hard to achieve be diligent so that you receive your full reward the full reward And verse 9, I'll go ahead and read that. Anyone who wanders away from this teaching has no relationship with God. But anyone who remains in the teaching of Christ has a relationship with both the Father and the Son. So what he's saying here, everybody, in in verse 9, emphasizes this. You can be taught what's correct. But if you wander away from it, you never had salvation. You never had that relationship in the first place. But anyone who remains in the teaching of Christ has a relationship with both the Father and the Son. And I think that's what's important for us to see here. Because we're not talking about losing salvation if you've never had salvation. That's where we have to leave that. You've never been saved. You can't lose it if you haven't been saved. And so you have to make a commitment that what you're being taught is worth making the firm commitment in believing that Jesus is Lord of your life. I think that's the difference for a lot of people. We need to understand that Jesus, people know who Jesus is, they believe that Jesus existed. But when it comes to taking Jesus now as Lord and Savior of your life, that's where salvation comes in. He grants that to every person who believes in Him as Lord and Savior. And that's where we need to make sure that we are teaching this, too, because it's not enough just to say, I believe in Jesus. There has to be something foundationally within that belief system that says that I believe that Jesus is Lord and Savior of my life. And that's where salvation comes in. You can't lose salvation if you've never had salvation. That's the teaching. That's what we need to do. And the full reward, frankly, that John is referring to here, because he's already talking to people who really do believe in Jesus from the standpoint of that he is Lord and Savior, and don't let anybody talk you out of that, or talk you out of that situation. But now, the works that we do on behalf of Jesus, there's a reward for that. And that's what John is referring to here. Be diligent so that you receive your full reward. Salvation is just the beginning. The full reward comes with making sure that we are not allowing ourselves to uh, go away from the truth, speaking the truth to other individuals. And we have to recognize that those who live for themselves and justify their self-centeredness by teaching false doctrines, are going to lose that reward. What is that? I mean, that that is interesting, isn't it? If you're teaching a false doctrine, did you ever really have anything? Did you ever really understand what truth really was? I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. This isn't complicated. I don't want this to be complicated because I don't want people to question whether or not they have eternal life if you know that Jesus died on the cross for you and you believe that he died on the cross for your sins and that you've acknowledged him as Lord and Savior of your life, you have eternal life but understand there are a lot of people who have not done that and those who teach falsely why would they get some sort of reward from the Lord at the end of the day, look what it says in Matthew 7 verses 21 to 23 This is a very, very important passage. Jesus makes it a point to say this. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. In other words, saying it only goes so far. It's got to be a heartfelt thing. But if you're out there teaching a false doctrine, are you really saved? Are you really a believer in Jesus to the point for salvation? That's why we need to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Because we need to make sure that what we believe is going to give us what we need when it comes to eternity with Jesus. I broke that up a little bit. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. Verse 22, Matthew chapter 7. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name, drive out demons in your name, and do many miracles in your name? Then I will announce to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you lawbreakers. That's in the Christian Standard Bible Version. That is an amazing statement. People, You have to understand, if if someone is acting and saying that we're prophesying in your name, driving out demons and doing many miracles in your name, they're saying that they're doing those miracles in the name of the Father. And, And God can use anyone to do that. But what about the heart relationship that that person has with Jesus? I've seen videos, you know, YouTube is is a blessing and a curse at times. There's so many things you can find on YouTube. But what I've found is that a lot of people who profess to be followers of the Lord, including pastors and stuff like that, um, they'll have these death experiences that you'll just read about. You'll find plenty of videos like that on YouTube. And they'll find out that they were nowhere near Jesus. They just were, went through the motions. But they didn't have that true heart relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, sometimes people treat uh, preaching and, and leading a church as a profession, but they, it's not a heartfelt profession. It's not a profession where that they are truly confessing that they need Jesus and need to live for Jesus. And so, yeah, can you can someone do that? Can someone be in the head of a church and not have a relationship with Jesus? Of course they can. Of course they can. And and I can't begin to judge anybody who's doing something like that. Because that the only judge is Jesus himself. What is it? Where is it in your heart? Where is your service for Jesus that is heartfelt? That's where it comes down to. And so there's a reward. You know, the crowns that that we you know will earn if we are serving the lord in the, in the way that Jesus determines is effective service for him doing his will here on earth for him that's what he wants that's what he wants for all of us verse 10 back to second john verse 10 if anyone comes to your meeting and does not teach the truth about Christ don't invite that person into your home or give any kind of encouragement yeah You don't want that person in the house. Anyone who encourages such people becomes a partner in their evil work. The moment you start contributing to someone like that, you're contributing to that evil work. I have much more to say to you, but I don't want to do it with paper and ink. For I hope to visit you soon and talk with you face to face. Then our joy will be complete. Greetings from the children of your sister chosen by God. So what John is saying here in verse 10, and I think this is very important too, don't show hospitality to false teachers. Don't even invite them into your home. Don't encourage heretics. Don't encourage falsehoods. Don't encourage this additional teaching. We don't want to approve of this. John is condemning the support of those who are dedicated to opposing the true teachings of God. So if you're contributing to someone, no names, if you're contributing to someone out there today who is not teaching the true gospel of Jesus Christ, you're helping them along. You're contributing to the falsehoods. And... That's a serious comment to make. We need to discern who we're following. We need to discern who is helpful for the truth and who's not. And there's a number of people out there that do indeed teach the truth. And there are a number of people out there that do indeed teach what is their own truth but not the truth of Jesus Christ. Remember, they'll call it truth. They'll call it whatever they want to make it sound good or sound appealing. And for you to jump in and make a contribution to their their coffers to help them along. But you've got to make the decision and decide, is this truly good? Is this truly what God's will is? And you have to Have a relationship with Jesus. The indwelling Holy Spirit will tell you and teach you if you're really seeking him, he'll tell you what's truth and what isn't. No regrets, everybody. You may have supported someone in the past who was not really fulfilling the teaching that Jesus would have be taught. So you just don't go back there. You move forward. You find someone, you camp out with someone who truly is teaching truth. And you can't go wrong if you're allowing the Spirit to speak to you about that. He's going to lead you to where love and truth, true love and truth, the love and truth that he teaches is being presented. And go ahead and do some wrestling with the Lord about where you are in your relationship with him right now. Once we have salvation, we can't lose it because we, the assumption is made that your heart is right where... God wants you to be. But it's okay for you to, because we, we sin all the time, amen? We, we live in the fallen world, we are, we are fleshly, we need to seek out the Lord at all times and make sure that we're always camping out in his truth in the word, letting that truth speak to us, and letting the love of God, who has grace and mercy in our lives, prevail. The moment you sin, you can repent, turn back to him, and he'll acknowledge you. John teaches this throughout his Gospels, the words that he speaks. And when we have his word, pardon me, in our hearts, and we are obedient to his word, it's a great reflection of how God continues to mold and shape us for the purpose of being vessels for him throughout our community, in our church, throughout the world. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the teachings of John, how he emphasizes the importance of camping out in your love, camping out in your truth, and Lord, not allowing people who are falsely teaching your truth to prevail not encouraging any sort of association with them because we know those things are in opposition to him. We know those things are in opposition to him because those are the antichrists of the world that we need to pay attention to. We thank you, Lord, for the teaching you give to us. Bless us now, Lord, and help us as we move forward to continue to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Bless us, Lord, and thank you. We thank you in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you for joining me for this Sunday School Extra. We appreciate you being here today. Spread the word. Uh, For more content, you're welcome to go to our website, akronalliance.org. Check out our content. Go to our YouTube channel and look for our pre-recorded content as well. God bless you. Take care of yourselves. We'll see you around the corner. And we'll see you next time.